Welcome to the Punk Rock Preschool Podcast with your host, Mr. G. For those about to learn, we salute you. Hello, party people. Thank you for joining us today on the Punk Rock Preschool Podcast, where we are changing the world one classroom at a time. That classroom is your classroom. I'm your host, Jared Geller, Mr. G. And today we are talking about Kanye West. What? Kanye West? Yes, we are talking about Kanye West because he has been very active on Twitter lately. And he was not on Twitter for about a year. And then he came back. And, you know, he stirred up a lot of controversy and he stirred up a lot of stuff. And he was in the news a lot last week and two weeks ago. But we're not talking about any of that. We're actually talking about the great things that he is tweeting about mindset, about the possibilities. And a lot of the things that Kanye is tweeting applies to teachers which you may be thinking what 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 are you talking about jared what are you talking about well i went through found a bunch of kanye west tweets 11 tweets in fact that all focus on mindset that all focus on habits that all focus on a way to approach the world that is actually really really positive now don't if you're not a kanye fan or you don't like the stuff that he's been tweeting that you've seen on the news Just keep listening because I guarantee you that some of these tweets are going to resonate and they are going to resonate not just for us as people, which they are great advice for people, but they're also great advice for teachers, which I don't think that was Kanye's intention, but nonetheless, there's some really, really special gems in here. So I'm going to jump into it. I'm going to go through the tweets. I'm going to read them. I picked 11 of them out and I'm sure there's some other great ones out there because I had a long list of ones to choose from, but I picked 11 out. And I'm going to go through them and just tell you what it means to me and what I think that how we can apply this to our world in the classroom. You ready for this one? Let's do it. Number one, I've always had a desire to do things people wouldn't even think to do. Well, we all know Kanye. We know that he's got a big ego on and we all know that he is always trying to do things that people wouldn't even imagine doing. But let's think about this and the context of the classroom, in the context of teaching. Don't we have a desire to do things that people wouldn't even think to do? Don't we want to push our students to achieve things that the curriculum doesn't say they can achieve, that most academics wouldn't say they can achieve, that most just people in general, they're surprised when they hear our preschool students, our pre-K students, our kindergarten students, our students in general, anywhere, no matter what age you teach, When you teach them something that's advanced, something that's interesting, something that's really, really high level, people are surprised by it. I used to always tell my kids that if they want to get an idea as to how special the things that we are learning, if they want to get to an idea of how really impressive the things that we're learning are, they should go and they should tell something about what we've learned to an adult and say something like, oh, did you know that when plants get food from the sun – That's called photosynthesis. And then also say something to another adult where they say, that color's blue. And see the reactions that they get. Because when they say, that color's blue, they'll get a reaction that sounds something like this. Wow, that's so good. Yes, that is blue. You must be very smart. Where did you learn that? Fake. It's nice. It's sweet. People are trying to encourage the children when they say stuff like that. But it's fake. When a kid says, did you know that plants get food from the sun and it's called photosynthesis? Here's what that reaction sounds like. Whoa, where did you learn that? Did your teacher teach you that? 
That's incredible. Here, come here, come here. They get a friend to come over. Listen to what they just told me about plants. They say, plants get food from the sun. It's called photosynthesis. They say, oh my God, how old are you? You're, You're only four, you're only five, and you know that already? What else are you learning? Tell kids to look for that difference. Tell kids to to be aware, to be mindful of the different reactions that they get when they tell a really um what's the word I'm looking for? A really impressive fact, a really impressive piece of information versus a mundane piece of information like there's three chairs over there. That color is blue. That's the sun. These kinds of things will get a reaction that is just, like I said, it's it's nice, it's sweet, but it's fake. It's encouraging, but it's not a genuine, wow, oh my God, I can't believe it, which is kind of what makes learning fun in a way, is learning things that are so high level that you make these high level connections that you're bringing all of this information from your world and your surroundings into the things that you're learning and you see how it's impactful. Not that kids are going to use the knowledge of what photosynthesis means and and the term for photosynthesis, but it's still impressive and it still makes them feel proud and it makes them feel special. And really it comes back to this Kanye tweet, which is I've always had a desire to do things people wouldn't even think to do. So be that teacher that has a desire to teach things that people wouldn't even think is possible. Be that teacher that has a desire to, to teach things and do things that brings something out of your students that people are saying, wow, I can't believe that kids are learning that at this age, that kids have that capacity because that's inspiring for other people when they say, hmm, maybe I have to rethink my expectations of children. Maybe I have to rethink my idea of what kids can and cannot do. And that is some of the most powerful work that we can be doing as teachers is to help reshape, reframe this mindset around kids that everything has to be the wheels on the bus go around and you just go round and round and round and round with basic, very like simple, standard things that have existed forever. Colors, a few letters, a few numbers. We can do so much more. We can do such big things. We can inspire passions in our students. We can just change their lives. But if you don't think you can do that and you don't have a desire to do that and you just want to come to school every day and teach the same old preschool curriculum that's been being taught for 50, 60 years now, well then this tweet probably doesn't resonate. But I don't think that anybody in this audience is that teacher. Everybody here has a desire to do these special things, to do things that people wouldn't even think to do. So be that teacher. That's the first one. I've always had a desire to do things people wouldn't even think to do. And you should be the teacher and we should all be the teachers that have a desire to teach things that people wouldn't even think are possible to teach. Tweet number two, don't follow crowds. Follow the innate feelings inside of you. Do what you feel, not what you think. Thoughts have been placed in our heads to make everyone assimilate. Follow what you feel. So what Kanye is getting at here is a sense of intuition, trusting your gut, trusting your sense of intuition, a sense of individualism, individuality, not conforming to the crowd, not going along with what everybody else does. And these are the types of things that we want to encourage in our children, to follow their passions, to follow the innate feelings 
inside of them to do what they feel, not what they think. Because what they think, I mean, they should do what they think too. But the sense of this tweet and the feel of this tweet is that it's more important to not take the rational, logical, this path will make me happy. I'll go to college and I will get a degree and I will get a high paying job and I will make money and this will be good for me. Not if you're not doing what you love, not if you're not following your passion, because most of us teachers, we don't get paid a ton of money to teach, but we love it and we wouldn't trade it for the world because it's the best. It's the best job in the world. And if we were just going with what we thought, what we think, what is the most rational, highest return, economic kind of, it's kind of robotic almost. Not the people that make a lot of money are robotic because sometimes you love what you do and sometimes you make a lot. That coincides with making a lot of money. But anyway, that's not what this is about. This is about following your passion, following the feeling. And sometimes you may think, hmm, you know what? There may be better options out there for me, but if you're not happy, what does it matter? What does it matter if there's, what does better option even mean? What does being better, sorry, I have to get my cat down. He keeps crawling all over the desk. So what does a better option even mean if, it's, if you're not happy, if you're not following what you feel, if you're not following your heart, which is essentially what this is saying. Trust your intuition, follow your heart, follow your gut. Don't follow the crowds. Don't follow everybody else. Follow what you feel. And these are the types of ideas that we've obviously embodied by becoming teachers and that we need our children to embody as well as they go out into the world and pursue their passions. Tweet number three, be here now. Be in the moment. The now is the greatest moment of our lives, and it just keeps getting better. The bad parts, the boring parts, the parts with high anxiety, embrace every moment for its greatness. This is life. This is the greatest movie we will ever see. Hard to believe that came from Kanye West, right? Well, Kanye West, smart guy, apparently. Very, very, well, he's always been a smart guy. I always knew that. But very deep guy, very spiritual guy, very in tune with the world, and very Ramdas-like, very Timothy Leary-like, very Buddhist. So Kanye West is slowly becoming the Buddha in front of our eyes. How crazy is that? Pretty nuts. Anyway, let's get back to this tweet. Be here now, as Ramdas said. Be in the moment. The now is the greatest moment of our lives, and it just keeps getting better. Don't worry. That, a lot of that comes into living in the moment means not worrying about the future, not worrying about the past, because guess what? It's all in your imagination. The only thing that's real is what is here right now in front of you, observable in front of you. Your memories of the past, there's a lot of studies on how the human mind alters memories, how we don't really have a great grasp of what actually happened to us. So your memories of the past, that's imagination. That's what you think happened, but it's going to change over time and you're not even going to know it. And what you think about the future, that hasn't happened yet. That's also your imagination. So worrying about things that are basically make-believe, that are in your imagination, thinking about that kind of stuff, living in the past or living in the future is living in a world that doesn't even exist. Live in the world that does exist. Be here now. Be in the moment and appreciate it. Enjoy it because it just keeps getting better, as Kanye says. The bad parts, the boring parts, the parts with high anxiety, embrace every moment for its greatness. These are moments that help us grow. These are moments that help us learn. The bad parts, the boring parts, the hot parts with high anxiety, like he says, the Buddhists say that all life is suffering. Attachment is suffering. So all the things that you love and you're attached to, eventually 
they won't be there anymore or you won't be there anymore. And that is going to cause suffering. So their whole idea is that, like I said, attachment is the root of suffering. So if you're not attached to anything, you can't suffer. And they're not advocating don't attach yourself to anything. That's just an observation. And that's kind of what Kanye is getting at here too. The bad parts, the boring parts, the parts with high anxiety. Embrace every moment for its greatness. This is life. This is all part of life. So don't try to avoid parts of it. See the good in it. See the positive in it. See how it's going to be a growth opportunity for you. This is the greatest movie we will ever see. We're a part of it every single day. Don't miss a moment. Don't miss any of it. Be in the moment and appreciate the beauty of the world around you. Appreciate the beauty of nature. Appreciate the love of your students, the love of your family, the love of your friends, and the people that don't love you too. Appreciate that too. Understand that this is all a big dynamic. Everybody is trying to figure things out as they go. Embrace every moment for its greatness. I really don't have to explain this much more. I feel like I'm already explaining it too much. It speaks for itself and these kinds of ideas, be here now, be in the moment. These are ideas that really, no matter how much explanation, no matter how many times I've read about it, no matter how many books or articles or people throughout history have have talked about, have talked about these ideas like be here now, it really doesn't quite grasp the feeling of when you are actually fully in the moment, you're experiencing the moment, you're appreciating everything around you, and it's hard to do. It really is. You can meditate. You can mess around with psychedelic drugs. There are all these different things. You can do yoga. There are all these different things that people do to be in the moment and feel the moment, but until you actually do feel that moment through whatever means that you choose to feel the moment and be in the moment, Explaining it really doesn't do it justice. So work on that. Be here now. Be in the moment. Tweet number four. All you have to be is yourself. Wise, wise words from Mr. West. All you have to be is yourself. So instead of just saying be yourself, which is already great advice and frankly would be an awesome tweet. I'm sure he's tweeted that out too. But all you have to be is yourself. You don't have to be anything else. You don't have to be a job. You don't have to be a title. You don't have to be a student. You don't have to be an identity, a label. You just have to be yourself. And this goes back to the earlier tweet about not following the crowd, following your gut, following your instincts, following your intuition. Be yourself. Figure out who you are, which is a tough thing to do. Figure out what you care about, what you love, and pursue it. Figure out what your passion is, what drives you, what makes you happy, and pursue it. And this isn't just advice for teachers. Obviously, take everything that I'm saying when I say you, and it's stuff that you can direct right at your students because our students, they need to know that all they have to be is themselves. There is a lot of pressure in the world, a lot of pressure in society to be something to be something more, to be somebody, to be a, like I said, a title, a job, to be something that's not just ourselves, to be yourself. And so the more we can hammer this idea home to students that all they have to be is themselves. Don't worry about being the best or better than somebody else. Don't worry about where you stand in relation to anybody else in terms of academics, in terms of sports, in terms of anything. There is no competition. Just be yourself. Be happy with who you are. Figure out who you are, what you want, and be that person. And don't be a person that you're not. 
Don't try to be, you know what, I'd be happy if I was this person. I'd be happy if I had that job. No, you'd be happy if you're yourself and you're true to yourself and everybody's got a different personality and has different wants and needs, but people need to figure out what those wants and needs are and make sure they're driven by this internal feeling and not anything external. And I just really love this tweet. It's very simple. Again, doesn't require too much explanation. All you have to be is yourself. And something that I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago was to be yourself. There's no way you can do it wrong, which I kind of love that too. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit because I really believe that be yourself. There's no way you can do it wrong. There's no way to be yourself wrong. Every way you do it is right. But if you try to be somebody else, well, there's a way to do that wrong because you'll never be somebody else. You'll never be someone that you can't be because you're you. So help kids understand this, that if they're the, if they can be themselves, they'll be perfect at it. They'll be great at it. There's no way to do it wrong. And that's all they have to be. Tweet number five, don't trade your authenticity for approval, which I love this tweet. I mean, it's another one that says, be yourself. It's another one that says, don't follow the crowds, don't conform. But it's just so succinct and again, wise. Don't trade your authenticity for approval. Be yourself. If other people don't like it, well, be happy with who you are. It's not about, I'm trying to become somebody who other people are going to like. People will like you if you're confident and you're happy with yourself. And so kids need to know this as well. They need to know that their authenticity, their passions, their personality, that is a strength. That is a superpower. So don't ever trade it. Don't ever give that up, especially for other people. Because if those people don't like you for who you are, they're not going to like you for somebody for being somebody else. And if they do, that's a lot of work on your end to get people to like you that wouldn't even like you for who you are. That's ridiculous. Don't ever trade your authenticity, who you are, your personality for approval. Keep your authenticity. It is one of the most valuable assets that we have, especially as teachers. I'm always talking about don't conform to the curriculum. Don't conform to the textbook, to the expectations of a bunch of bureaucrats, of a bunch of administrators who haven't spent time in the classroom in forever, if ever. Don't ever trade your authenticity, the things that make you excited to teach, for their approval. You need to bring who you are into the classroom and kids need to feel who you are to connect with you. Because if you're not who you are, if you're pretending to be somebody else, kids aren't going to connect with that person. Because who is it? It's not you. And even if they do connect with that person, again, it's a character you've created. It's not. It's not you. In fact, I always thought that Mr. G, the Mr. G character that I had in the classroom, was a truer, realer sense of myself. Because I could be enthusiastic. I could exhibit unbridled enthusiasm, just un totally unfettered, just let my enthusiasm go crazy, share all of my excitement with kids. While in society, sometimes I can't be that excited. People say, whoa, slow down. You're too loud. Quiet down. It's too much for me. Okay, well, then I'm probably just going to not hang out with that person anymore because I like being myself and I like sharing the things that I care about and the things that make me excited. And I like getting excited about them. I don't like tempering that. And in the classroom, it's the ultimate place to be able to do that. So don't ever trade your authenticity for approval. And again, like I said, authenticity is a strength. It's a superpower because today's world, 
there's not a lot of authenticity out there. It's probably why Kanye is getting ripped so bad for all of his tweets is because he's being himself. He's not letting people pressure him. He's being authentic. And some people don't like his opinions. But guess what? That's okay. Not everyone's going to like your opinions. Not everyone's going to like everything you have to say. It would be crazy if they did. The important thing is to be confident in yourself, be strong in, in what you say, be strong in how you feel, and to express that and to be authentic. Because like I said, it is lacking in today's world. There's just not a ton of authenticity. There's just not a ton of realness. People pretend to be outraged about things that they're probably not outraged about. People pretend to be upset and, and angry and they get about all these things that it really shouldn't even bother them. People go into mobs and they get into this group mentality where they try to take other people down. I've seen it so many times in the past three, four, five years. It's crazy. Why is this happening? Be yourself. Be authentic. There's Have some gray area. Be nuanced. Be different. But be yourself. Be authentic. Don't ever trade it for approval. Tweet number six, spread love. Put more love into the universe. Again, very simple. Doesn't really require a ton of explanation, but it's a great tweet to live by. It's a great tweet to teach by. Spread love. Always be compassionate. Always try to see what other people are feeling, what other people are thinking, especially your children. And just put love into the universe. Let kids know that you love them, that you care about them, that you are there for them. Let everybody know that. And whenever you're feeling angry or hateful, not hateful, but whenever you feel like, oh my God, I can't stand this person or I can't stand listening to this any longer. Sometimes that's how I feel watching the news or watching TV. You know, sometimes I just see stuff and I say, oh my God, I can't take this anymore. So we can all do a better job spreading love. I'm not sitting here telling you that I have all these tweets mastered. I certainly don't. That's probably why they resonate with me so much is because these are all things that we all need to work on and I need to work on especially. So spread love, put more love into the universe. No matter how much love you're putting into the universe, put a little bit more. Keep putting it out there because in karmic terms, it's going to come back to you, but that's not why you do it. You put love into the universe because it's the right thing to do because the more love that's out there, the more understanding that's out there, the more compassion that's out there, the better we are as a society. And like I said, sure, it'll if you believe in karma, that kind of stuff comes back on you, and that's a great thing. But the reason it comes back on you is because it's the right thing to do for the universe. The universe thrives on love. And when I say the universe, you can you can put that at a cosmic level, you can put that at a spiritual level, or you can just put that as a society. Put Spread more love in society. Spread more love in your community. Spread more love in your classroom. Spread more love with your friends, with your family, everybody. Put more love into the universe. Spread love. It's a great message. Hard to live by. Simple, easy, everybody wants to do it hard to live by. So Kanye's been talking a lot about love, a lot about putting love out there, a lot about being compassionate. And, you know, in terms of the political sense, he's cross, trying to cross the aisle between his friends and people, you know, people on the left, people on the right, people in the middle. He's really trying to bring everybody together and be a unifying force. And he keeps talking about spreading love. And people can think that that's not, you know, that, that it's all PR stunt or that, you know, it's BS given you know, his histories, you know, walking up on stage and messing with Taylor Swift and all that kind of stuff. But I believe the guy because these tweets are, are pretty deep and they resonate and they're simple 
And sometimes the simplicity is the truth. You know, it's, it's closer to the truth. Spread love, put more love into the universe. No one's arguing with that. And if we start questioning his motives or we start questioning why he's doing this or if he's serious, it really misses the whole point of spreading love. So it doesn't really matter what his motivation is because he's right. Spread love, put more love into the universe. Tweet number seven, it's just one word, and that word is decentralize. I'm a big fan of decentralization. I think that top-down power structures, no matter where they are, whether it's government, whether it's academia, whether it's media, whether it's anything that's telling us what to think, what to do, how to do it, I don't like that. I think that people decide what's best for themselves, and they should be free to do those things as long as it doesn't infringe on anybody else's rights or anybody else's well-being. So decentralize, it means let people decide these types. Let people decide things. And in the classroom, that's the biggest thing. Let teachers decide what needs to happen in the classroom. Don't let the federal government, don't let the state government, don't let the local government decide. Don't let the bureaucrats, the administrators, don't let any of these people. The more decentralized, the better. Let teachers decide. Let students decide how they want the classroom to go. Decentralize. Less centralization. More power to the people. More power to us as individuals to make choices that are best for our own lives. And especially in the classroom. None of us like to be told what to do, how to do it, what works, what doesn't work. Nobody else is in the classroom every day except for us. We know what's best. We know what works. So we need to have more control of those things. And the only way to do that is to, you know it, decentralize. So one word tweet, great tweet, great tweet, especially when you have a giant platform, you can say decentralize and you'll get, what does he have here? 10,000 retweets when I, when I posted this into my notes, probably up to like 20 by now. Decentralize, simple. And there's lots of ways to decentralize and I'm not going to get into all the ways that I think are inspiring with which have to do with cryptocurrencies and blockchain and all this other fun stuff. And that's going to decentralize the whole world. 3D printing, where you can make your own stuff. You don't have to rely on even manufacturers and factories to build things that you want. You can make it yourself in your house with 3D printing. The future is decentralized, is decentralization. And Kanye gets that. But forget that for now. Just get in, Just think about it in our classroom. Decentralize. We want the power. We want to have a say, The pretty much all the say, over the direction of our classroom. We don't want other people coming in and saying, no, you can't do that. No, this doesn't work. If we know that it does work. Public trackers is a great example. Some people it works for, some people it doesn't. It's all in how you pitch it. And we have a podcast episode on public trackers if you want to check that one out. And that's basically what I say is that teachers need to have the control. It shouldn't be public trackers don't work. Well, sometimes they do. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes they shame kids. And sometimes they encourage kids. And sometimes they're a great they're actually great for other kids saying, cheering, cheering their friends on and encouraging their friends and even helping the kids that may be far back in a public tracker. None of that stuff gets taken into account when you get a centralized take on it that just says public trackers aren't good. This is the decision from the top down. And that's just one thing. You may think public trackers are terrible, and that may be true in your classroom, and that's totally cool because it's your classroom. You know what's best. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. And if you think public trackers are great, I'm not going to sit here and say you're right because you it's right for your classroom. It doesn't mean it's right across the board. And that's what decentralization is all about, trusting the
the people at the local, at the most local level, at the closest level to the source to make the best decisions for themselves and the people around them and not trusting somebody far removed, very impersonal to make decisions. And that's why we need to decentralize. Tweet number eight, this one's only two words, question everything, which I love. I love this idea, question everything. We absolutely should be questioning everything because one, again, going back to decentralization, the people in power that centralize people in power, they're wrong a lot of the time. Nothing makes them infallible. Nothing makes them elite, godlike kind of advice givers, kind of information holders. People in college are wrong. Theories are wrong. Governments are wrong a lot of the time too. And people at the local levels are wrong all the time too. The difference is that we can make changes quicker. And when you question everything, that means not submitting to some top-down solution, not submitting to, hmm, is this curriculum the best curriculum for my classroom? Is this behavior management system the absolute best behavior management system? No, of course not. Somebody paid money, got the contract with the district, and got the curriculum in your classroom, got the behavior management system in your classroom. It comes down to a bidding war, ultimately, and question everything could be rewritten as follow the money, too which that's a whole nother story. But when you question everything, that means questioning, hmm, whose interest is it? Who, in whose best interest is it that I believe these things? Who does this benefit? Who is making the money off of me believing something that's being told to me? Why is it in somebody's interest that I believe these things? So it's not even just questioning the content, it's questioning the motivation, the context, it's questioning everything. So. That's something we need to be teaching to our kids too because ultimately that's what critical thinking boils down to, questioning everything. Why is the news telling me this story? Why are they picking this story versus millions of other stories? I always wonder that. When I watch the local news, every single story, tragedy, murder, car accident, you know, uh, recall, just all terrible, terrible things, robbery. And I'm like, why are they showing this to us? Like, this doesn't affect my life in any way, it doesn't make me safer to know that somebody robbed someone and then they were caught because they're not out on the loose anymore. I could see if there was somebody at large, maybe, but why are they choosing all this misery nonstop? And why do people watch it? And really, I don't have a good answer for you. I would just say that there's probably some psychological, social control happening there, which, you know, you can call me a little bit of a conspiracy theorist because I am, because I question everything. And if somebody tells me something is absolutely true, 100%, no way it can be any other way, I'm going to question that thing way, way, way more. Because that's saying, you know what, if you think differently, that's not even allowed. And that's a terrible system. And that's a terrible way to go about doing anything where you can't question things. So question everything. Teach our kids to question everything. Teach them to question motivation, to question the context, to Always ask why. Do that chain of why, 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 why. Why are they telling us this story? Why did, let's take Columbus for an example. You know, Columbus, why is, why did Columbus, even just a simple content related thing, why did Columbus cross the ocean? Why did Isabella and Ferdinand think that this was a great idea to send Columbus? Why did other people not let Columbus not fund Columbus? What was it about Columbus that made him different from other people that wanted to sail across the ocean? Why did people think the earth 
was flat. What was the conclusions of a flat earth? What did they think would happen? Did they think that you would fall off the end of the earth? Did they think that you would just come upside down? Did they think that you would go through a portal and come back to the other side? These are all just questions. And I'm, believe me, I'm not advocating for flat earth theory. I don't believe that. That's not a conspiracy theory that I subscribe to. I'm just using Columbus as an example because it was the first thing that popped into my head. You can use anything as an example. You can use gravity as an example. Why do things fall? Why does gravity exist? Why does it even out there? That's a really deep question. You start asking a couple whys. You start asking a couple hows. How does gravity work? Well, we kind of know how gravity works, but can I explain it to a four-year-old, a five-year-old? I don't think so. So it also forces us as teachers to start questioning how much we know about things that we experience every single day. I remember somebody told me how leaves change color in the seasons. And they said, how do leaves change color in the seasons? They asked the, a whole classroom of teachers that, and nobody knew. And it's because apparently that leaves are naturally red and green and yellow and, and orange. Well, not green, sorry. Red and yellow and orange and, and brown. And that during the spring and the summertime when they're getting lots and lots of sunlight, that sunlight hits the chlorophyll and the chlorophyll absorbs it, and that makes the plants green. The more sunlight they get, the greener they get. So they're actually naturally colored yellow and red and orange. And then when they get less sunlight in the fall, they start to revert back to their old colors. They're not changing colors to that from green. They're actually changing back to their old colors, and they change to green from their old colors, which was really interesting to me. And it was partly really interesting because I didn't know it before, and it's something that we experience all the time. And if a kid were to ask in the spirit of questioning everything, why do the leaves change colors? Because you say, well, in the fall, the leaves change colors, and you move on from there. But if somebody were to say, why do the leaves change colors? We'd have to really think about it. We'd have to give that answer. We'd probably have to look it up ourselves before you, know, you listen to this podcast episode, if you didn't know it already, which I didn't know that was, why, that was how leaves change colors. So there's all different ways to question everything, but ultimately it leads us to have a deeper and more complete picture of the world picture of the things that we see every day, that we feel every day, and you can take literally anything. You can take emotions, feelings. I just said feel every day. Take emotions. Why do we feel happiness? Why do we feel sadness? Why do we cry when we're sad? I don't even know the answers to these things. I might have to look them up after I'm done recording this episode. Question everything. One, in terms of motivation, context, kind of in a conspiratorial sense, and two, question everything, just why and how and how do things work and getting to the bottom of the basic mechanisms, the basic behaviors of the world because it'll make you have a richer understanding of the world, of human behavior, of animals, of plants, of life, of technology, of all these different things. Question everything. Well, I went on for a long time about question everything because it's so important to me and I probably rambled a little bit, but it's, it's an important topic. But now we'll get to tweet number nine. Iterations of ideas are how culture evolves, which is essentially saying it's a little, not wordy, but it's a, it's a little abstract of an idea. Iterations of ideas are how culture evolves. But basically it's saying that culture is a product of people taking ideas, trying them in different ways, keep trying them out, find a better way to do something, that becomes the culture. That becomes part of the way of life. 
That becomes part of society. Then somebody takes that idea and they experiment with it and they tinker with it and they figure something better out and that becomes part of society. I'm still in the abstract right now, so I'm going to give two examples. One is recipes. So recipes are a big part of culture. Food is a big part of culture. And recipes are amazing because they are representative of centuries sometimes of experience, of knowledge, of wisdom, where people have been trying recipes for centuries, passing them down from generation to generation to generation, from mother to daughter, from father to son, and so on. And each time that you make that recipe, maybe you try one little thing different. Maybe you put a little extra pepper in. Maybe you add an ingredient. Maybe you take an ingredient away or replace one. And if it tastes better than it has in the past, then you add that to your recipe, and that becomes part of the recipe that you pass down to the next generation. And so the recipe becomes better. And if it's something where, ooh, I didn't like that. The old recipe was better. I shouldn't have added that one ingredient. I should have taken, I shouldn't have increased this one ingredient or taken one away. Well, then the next time you make the recipe, you'll go back to the old one and it will be good again. And you'll learn. So there's a very low risk for failure. It's just one meal. And there's a very high risk for, or a high opportunity for success. And so recipes, great, great way that iterations of a recipe are how recipes evolve or how meals evolve is how a cuisine or a culture of of food evolves is because people experiment in little tiny ways and they take the good and they leave the bad. And so another example of how ideas, iterations of ideas or how culture evolves would just be think about vehicles. We started with walking and then somebody invented the wheel and then somebody invented the cart and then the bicycle and I might be going in total wrong order and then a wagon that's pulled by horses and then or a chariot wagon pulled by horses and eventually someone invents a steam engine and then someone invents a combustion engine and then they invent the train and the steamboat and the automobile and the airplane and now we've got we're starting to work on self-driving cars we're starting to work on probably self-driving planes and low emission vehicles or no emission vehicles and you know, Elon Musk is working on the Hyperloop where you can just get into a pod and get shot across it through a tube like they have on Futurama, on the, on the intro of Futurama, and go 600, 700, 800,000 miles in an hour or two hours. And this is incredible. But these are all iterations of ideas, and the idea is transportation, is travel. How do we get from one place to the next? And people are constantly experimenting with ways to get from one place to the next. And there's plenty of ideas that never quite caught on. A scooter is not as popular as a bicycle or even a motorized scooter or a Segway. Like these are iterations of ideas that are, they're used, but they're not as popular as bicycles or cars or, you know, roller skates are popular for a while. People don't really wear roller skates anymore. Or those little sketcher shoes with the roller blades that uh, come out the bottom. Same thing. These are all iterations of ideas though. And the culture evolved along with them. And, you know, when roller skates were popular, then kids were going to roller rinks for their birthday parties and playing street hockey, which I never see anybody playing street hockey ever anymore. Um, or I don't hear about people going to roller rinks. I mean, I'm not 10 years old anymore either, so that could be a factor there. But nonetheless, the culture evolved through those ideas. Like you think rollerblades, I think the 1990s. And that was the culture in the 90s. It evolved through this idea. And 
all of those ideas that I explained are all transportation and people figuring out different ways. Let's put wheels on our shoes. Let's put wheels on a plank and make a scooter or a skateboard. And people are just trying new things out and figuring out what works the best. So iterations of ideas are how culture evolves. Now to make that applicable for your classroom, because right now I'm just saying, oh, this is a great tweet by Kanye. It's true. Sure, it is. But the whole point is that this should be about your classroom. Iterations of ideas are how your classroom evolves too. So every year that you try new lessons, you see what works, you see what didn't work. You see what works in the moment. You might have to make a change in the moment to get kids more engaged. But don't be afraid to make those iterations, to make those changes, to keep progressing and keep making new and improved. That's essentially what this means, new and improved. Keep pushing for new and improved. And if something works great, then you know it's great. And if something, if a lesson didn't fly or a unit didn't fly, replace it next year or replace it on the fly if you can. And that is how your classroom will evolve, how your curriculum will evolve is by continuing to try new things just like the recipe, where if something doesn't work out, take it out, replace it with something else. Say, okay, that didn't work. We'll go back to something that did work. We'll go back and we'll try something new, see if that works better. So think of, think of your classroom like that recipe. Iterations of ideas are how your classroom evolves and always be experimenting with these different iterations and same thing with kids. Help them understand that the different ways that they try things, the different strategies that they employ to solve a problem, they'll figure out what strategies work best, like solving a puzzle, for example. I always start with the corners and then do the edges and then fill in the middle. That's my strategy. But how many puzzles did I have to screw up before I figured that out? How many puzzles did I have to struggle with before I figured that one out? So kids are always trying new ideas, new approaches, new solutions, new strategies help them understand that tweaking those strategies just a tiny bit, that's what how learning evolves. That's how learning happens. That's how you become a critical thinker. That's how you become a successful, I don't want to say student, I want to say person really, is figuring out what went right, what went wrong, tweaking the things that went wrong until they go right again. And that's how people evolve in a cultural sense. Tweet number 10. When you first wake up, don't hop right on the phone or the internet or even speak to anyone for even up to an hour if possible. Just be still and enjoy your own imagination. It's better than any movie. Well, this one speaks for itself pretty much. I really don't have to go into it too much. I just, I really liked it because it's a great way to start your day right. And it's, again, something that I need to work on because I wake up, I get right on Twitter, I check the news. And even though the news really doesn't make me miserable, it it's negative. There's negativity um, no matter what side you're on. Uh, and I don't even like looking at it like sides. But no matter, no matter where you stand, I always open Twitter and it's always, it's always negative. It's always people saying this person's wrong or this person or that person's wrong. And it's never, wow, nobody tweets out, I really agree with this person. Great point. So I really shouldn't be on it early in the morning to start my day. Probably shouldn't be on it, period. But that's how I get my information. So the point of this is when you first wake up, don't hop right on the phone. Don't hop on the internet. Don't. I mean, I don't know about speaking to anyone, but just spend time with your own mind. Spend time with your own imagination. Be calm. Think about things. Get your ideas down. Get your dreams down. Think about how you want your day to go. Visualize how you want your day to go. Visualize what's happening in your life, what you're grateful for. I have a planner here 
where I write out my whole day. And what at the top of the planner, the reason I got this one is it says three things that you're grateful for. And I write them down every day. And those are the kinds of ways to start your day with gratitude, with joy, with hope, not with the internet, not with your phone. I mean, I don't know about, like you said, don't speak to anyone for up to an hour. I don't know. You could speak to somebody as far as I'm concerned. But if that, if that advice resonates with you, what Kanye says, then, then, then go for it. But I think that this is another thing where we're in a digital world. It's good for our own mental well-being. It's good for our kids' mental well-being. I don't know how we exactly enforce this in the classroom because they don't have phones yet. They don't have any of this stuff yet. And I don't know how to build those habits where it's more of a negative habit. Don't do these things that everybody seems to be doing. But nonetheless, I wanted to include this tweet because starting your day right is so important and it can impact everything throughout the rest of your day. So think about that in terms of your classroom. Start your day positively with you know, great activity, with a routine. And I mean that both of those things with a routine that gives them a great activity to start the day. And make it a fun start. Make it exciting. You know, I, I do a question of the day on the carpet. We do a word of the day. It's exciting. We show some videos. We show some really cool, the coolest videos I can find on YouTube and gets get students excited about what we're about to learn. It It's a hook. It builds enthusiasm. So build hooks into your classroom to start the day, to start it off early. And that's the best way to translate this tweet to the classroom. Tweet number 11, and this is the last one. It's not where you take things from. It's where you take them to. And this is just, this is teaching. This, that's exactly what I thought when I read this tweet. I said, this is teaching because we, you know, quote unquote, steal from each other all the time. I mean, my Pinterest, I, I spend so much time on Pinterest just being inspired by what other teachers are doing, saying, wow, I wish I could do that in my classroom. I want to do that in my classroom. I'm going to do that in my classroom. And it's not where I take them from. It's not that anybody's going to sue me for stealing their copyright of their classroom or, you know, their, their perfect design of their classroom. Teachers want each other to be able to utilize and use all the amazing things that they're doing in the classroom because if it works for one of us, it'll probably work for a lot of us. And like this says, it's not where you take things from. That's not what's important, even though I'm very appreciative and very grateful for all you teachers out there that are posting things on Pinterest and Teachers Pay Teachers and doing these other things that make it easier to collaborate and open source our classrooms. But, And that's super important, but... It's not the focus of every lesson. I'm not saying, guys, I learned, I learned this lesson from a teacher on Pinterest. It's about where I take the lesson to, where you take the lesson to. It's where you take the idea to make it your own, to make it resonate with your classroom, with your unique set of kids, with your unique personality. So this tweet, it's very simple when you think about it like that. It's not where you take things from. It's where you take them to. And really, it applies to anything in life. And it applies for kids, too, because it's... We can teach them lots of bits of information, lots of knowledge, lots of just content that they have to learn. But they can learn all their letters and they can learn to read and we can do that and that's amazing. But what are they going to do with that skill of reading? What are they going to do with that skill of computation and arithmetic and mathematics? How are they going to utilize it to make their lives better, to make the lives of others better? And that's what's important. So it's not enough just to say we're learning how to read. We're learning how to read so we can do so many other things. I'll give you one quick example of how I motivate my students to learn how to read and write is early in the year when I start looking up cool YouTube videos, when I start looking up things that they're interested in, I'll tell them, one, I'll tell them explicitly, like, 
I can look this up and type this into YouTube because I know my letters and I know my sounds and I can write out the words that I'm looking for. So what's some things that they want to search and say, what are you, some things you guys want to look up? Let's say they say wildcrats. Say, okay, come on up here and search for wildcrats for me and let's watch it. And they don't know how to do it. Of course they don't. And I say, I'll help you. You know, I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want them to feel like, oh my God, I can't do this. But I'll point out and say, look, this is why we learn to read and write because we want to look these things up. There's so much stuff that we want to learn. And in order to learn it, in order to be able to find it, we have to know what, how to spell it. We, we need to know how to read it, how to know if what we're looking for is the right thing. So then I'll pull up a list of all the Wildcrat stuff and say, okay, which episode do you want to watch? And if I can, I'll block out the thumbnails so they can't even see the pictures. Or I'll pull up something that doesn't have a lot of thumbnails and pictures and say, which episode do you want to watch? Which one is the one about lions? And again, we don't really know. Say, well, that's why we need to learn how to read. So when, once we know all our letters and our sounds, we can know exactly this one's about lions, this one's about bears, this one's about monkeys, this one is about crocodiles. So which one do you guys want to watch? Now we can. Now we have choices. And so that's just one idea. Why do you want to learn to read? Why do you want to learn to write? It's not where you take things from. It's not learning how to write and read in, in Mr. G's classroom or in your classroom. It's where you take them to. What are you going to do with that skill? What are you going to do with it at home? What are you going to do with it in your life in the future? And that's why I'm ending with this one is because it's so teacher-oriented and we always talk about borrowing from one another. And this is exactly what Kanye is saying. And he's talking about it in the music sense probably. It's not where you take things from. It's where you take them to. He's probably talking about beats and samples. And you know, it doesn't matter if you sample a song from the 60s, a Motown song from the 60s. If you lay down a really hot track over that, then people are going to remember that. Like Another example is... Will Smith. Will Smith is the ultimate example of it's not where you take things from, it's where you take them to. Getting Jiggy with it, um, Men in Black, Wild Wild West, Miami, all of those hit songs are all from funk, soul, Motown songs from the 60s and 70s. And sometimes I'll be listening to Soul Town on Sirius XM, and I'll hear a song and I'll say, oh, that's Miami by Will Smith. What is it doing on this channel? I'll say, oh, man, Miami from Will Smith, that's actually... I think it's in The Beat Goes On, but I'm not sure exactly. Um, but it's one of these songs like that. And so it's not about, oh, well, Will Smith ripped out off this song. You know, Will Smith, I don't like this song anymore. I don't like Miami or, or getting jiggy with it anymore because it, it came from an old song. It's not actually his beat that he came up. Nobody says that. And if they do, that's just being a hater. And that's not showing love, like Kanye said in tweet number, whatever number it was. I believe it was... Well, one, it's not important. Tweet number six that I went over. Um, so got off track for a second there, but just a second, so that was good. It's not where you take things from. It's where you take them to, and that means looking at all the greatness that comes. You know, I, I believe it's a line from Jurassic Park where they say that they stood on the shoulders of giants, and I mean, I think that's a line in a lot of places, but I remember distinctly from Jurassic Park where they stood on the shoulders of giants to basically make the dinosaurs. And they took all the research from everybody that came before them, and they made dinosaurs. And then there's a whole argument about whether they should have done that or not. But the point is that it's not like, oh, you guys don't get credit for making the dinosaurs, and I know this is all fiction, because you used Darwin, and you used the Watson and Crick, and you used all these scientists that came before you, and you wouldn't have been able to do it if they didn't come up with the things that they came up with before you. Who cares? That's how it, this is the same idea. Iterations of ideas are how culture evolves. You need the first idea to improve upon it. 
So it's not where you take things from, it's where you take them to. Use that in your classroom, use that with curriculum, with lessons when you're searching Pinterest. It's always about where you take them to. Where you take them from is almost, not 100%, but almost irrelevant because if you're making an impact and you're making a difference, that's the only thing that matters. And if you're putting your own personal twist, your own authenticity onto these types of, your personality onto these lessons, onto these crafts, onto the way you run your classroom, then that's more important than what the original template says. Don't follow the crowds. Don't follow things by the books. I'm trying to wrap every little tweet that we went over today together at the very end here. So that's my take on all this. It's not where you take things from. It's where you take them to. And building on that, where are you going to take the information in this podcast? What are you going to do with it? How are you going to use it in your classroom? It doesn't matter that it came from me on this podcast. It matters what you do with it and how you bring these or that these tweets came from Kanye West and now I'm using them on a podcast and then you're going to go and use some of these ideas in your classroom. It's where you take them to. And with that, thank you for listening and thank you for joining us. This has been a fun episode for me to record. I really enjoyed going through Kanye's tweets. I hope you guys have a higher opinion of Kanye West than where you started. Even if you loved Kanye West, you're the biggest super fan in the world. I hope that reading these tweets, you're saying, wow, he's a pretty wise guy. He's a pretty smart, sharp fella. And these tweets are, are actually great life advice, great classroom advice. And he didn't even realize that he was making such great classroom content. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. Um, you can find us on social media. I'm going to try to stick to just one call to action. I always say subscribe, do this, do that, but maybe two. Please subscribe to the podcast, Punk Rock Preschool. You can find us on social media and check out our Teachers Pay Teachers because we've got some pretty cool lessons up there and I'm putting more up every day. So please check out the Punk Rock Preschool Teachers Pay Teachers store. You can find us at, let me pull up the link actually, should have this memorized, but I do not. So it is teacherspayteachers.com slash store slash punk hyphen rock hyphen preschool. So punk dash rock dash preschool, teacherspayteachers.com slash store slash punk rock preschool. Not all one word, hyphens in between the letter, in between the words. But please check us out there. Let me know if you like the products, if you want different lesson plans. Right now, I just put up a lesson plan on the food chain. I have one that I'm working on on mammals, on animal behaviors like migration and hibernation and things along those lines. And then we're gonna—I'm just gonna keep pumping out ones about animals, um, so symbiosis, fish, bugs, and insects, um, dinosaurs, reptiles, amphibians, birds, all these types of things. Um, and then more ecological stuff, recycling, pollution, all that. So that's what's coming up in the future on Teachers Pay Teachers. But please check us out. Buy a product if. If you find something that you really love, leave a comment. Tell me if you love it. Tell me if you don't love it, what I can do to improve because I'm still very much testing out the format of my curriculum. Um, I hope one day to be selling it everywhere and to make it available to everybody in a complete package and just have a great supplement to inspire passions. Every, every unit is on a different topic, has a different job connected to it, and it's to inspire passions. So that's my call to action. I know it just went on longer than I probably wanted to or probably should, but I'm going to ask you to please go and check out the Teachers Pay Teachers store for Punk Rock Preschool. Buy a product. Buy them all. It'll be fun for you. It'll be fun for your classroom. It'll be, you know, I won't mind it myself. But please check out the Teachers Pay Teachers store and uh, and let me know some feedback on, on the lessons, on the formatting, on pretty much anything. Um, 
I, I'm really, really open and receptive to, to any type of feedback. And same thing with the podcast, as always. Let me know how you like this episode. I hope that it was a different kind of episode that was fun and interesting and had a lot of great information. And big thank you to Kanye West for putting out all these inspiring tweets and for being himself, whether that means, you know, catching catching a lot of crap for it or just, you know, promoting himself or whatever he is doing. I appreciate him being himself. He's always been himself. And I think that that's inspiring to other people, whether you agree with him, whether you believe what he's doing. Um, that really doesn't matter because he's being authentic and he's, and he's being himself and that's inspiring. So big thank you to Kanye West and an even bigger thank you to all of y'all for listening to the Punk Rock Preschool podcast. I appreciate you so much and I'm so grateful that you let me keep, keep putting these episodes out and keep listening to them. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time, keep rocking.